Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How did the Celtics beat the Wizards so handily? Why was it so easy for the Jazz to close out the Clippers? Can anyone beat the Warriors in even one game? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. Today I'm pleased to be joined as always by Coach Dave, Dave Dufour. Dave, what's thank up? Thank you for coming back home after a long journey. Yeah, I feel like I haven't slept my own, in my own bed in like a month and uh, got stranded at LAX today for hours. So yeah, it's been, a, it's been quite an adventure. Well, next time you can call me, I might come down there and hang out, but uh, yeah, this was a tough day. I, I had to yeah. hang out by the pool today. I wasn't going to deal with security again. Uh, you know, I, I, I just, I resigned myself to living on jelly beans and Coke Zero, and you know, I was ready for, for the zombie apocalypse to break out, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah welcome was, to the West Coast, man, where the closest you can get, unless you're in Hawaii, to, uh, to uh, you know, some dangerous places in the world, but... Uh, Nonetheless, speaking of dangerous places in the world for people like either you can talk about Isaiah Thomas and his teeth uh, or just the Wizards in general in the Garden, um, what do you make of that game one between the Celtics and the Wizards? Well, you know, so the, the Wizards actually were doing pretty well. Um, and I think if they had just stuck to their game, that we may be talking about them stealing the opening game of this series. But they went away from the things that were working. They started trying to, you know, trying to play bully ball against Isaiah Thomas and and post him up, which resulted in like, I don't know, twelve fadeaway jump shots. Mm-hmm. That's not ideal. And uh, and and while that was going on, the the Celtics got hot. They wound up going nineteen for thirty nine from three. It, it's you know it's hard to lose when you shoot that well from three, especially at that volume. So, yeah, it's back to the drawing board, I think, for the for the Wizards. Yeah, and they also matched them on the boards, which is another thing. They were getting out rebound in that first round by uh, seven or eight boards a game, and uh, they all of a sudden, uh, you know, boom, there they are in, uh, you know, tying them at 38 all, and that's another big thing. You know, Jay Crowder, I think, is, ends up being a, uh, a, a big revelation for them. Six for eight from three, like you mentioned, with the three-pointers. Um, and some of them are pretty tough. Like, I guess he was just reverting because he didn't shoot very well in the first, in the first round. Yeah, well, he's a 40% three-point shooter on the season. So, you know, I, I was a little shocked by how poorly he he shot in that first-round series. But, you know, the, the key to this whole thing is Markeith Morris going out with that injury really early. I mean, you know, the Wizards were kind of rolling at that point, and, and he's so vital for them in this series. I, I think uh, it's not quite a mismatch. I think that Crowder can guard him pretty well, but – you know, Mark, I think Markeith Morris is is a sneaky athlete, and he's a decent enough shooter. And we, like we saw, you know, he gave Paul Millsap all he could handle in that in that first round. And so, losing Markeith Morris for however long he's going to be out, I'm pretty sure he won't be in the next game. 
um, that's going to be tough for them to overcome too. Yeah. Uh, I agree. It's, he's, he's that vital piece because they did get very good production from everybody else, at least the other big three. And I, like I was telling you before we started recording, you know, if you look at the numbers here for the uh, most of the Wizards and you told them, like, you know, you're going to get, you know, 29 from Wall and 27 from Beal or whatever it was. And, um, you know, uh, Otto Porter is going to go 7 for 10 from the field with 11 rebounds. You'd probably think, yeah, they're right there. They're going to win that, that game. And, in fact, they, they you know, they, they lost going away. The second and third quarters were really kind of vital. And it feels like sort of Marcus Smart is a bit of a linchpin here when they go small. Um, and maybe it just took, uh, you know, the whole season for Brad Stevens to kind of figure out, you know, that maybe Amir Johnson isn't the way to the person to lean on. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing is supercharging Isaiah Thomas by knocking his tooth out. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I've never seen a guy bounce back from, from getting hit in the face, you know, as hard as it must've been to knock his tooth out and then to come down and hit back to back threes like that. Like he just looked like he was, he was motivated by it. Yeah, and uh, and you know Terry Rozier uh, grabbed eight rebounds in that game too, and I was kind of like I didn't catch it, and I went through to look at the time code on that, and I thought maybe he got like three in one possession or something like that. That's why he had eight, but it yeah. turns out no, he they were spread out. Like he was getting boards. Another reason why they were so close uh, in the in the or the tie with the rebounding was overall, um, you know. Uh, so, and the other thing that's funny is that whenever a team goes down 16 nothing, 17 nothing to start the game, no one ever panics, right? It's always like, that's just too early to be up that much. Generally, you're going to come back, right? That just didn't even seem like a, a worry for, for anybody out there. Yeah, no, not at all. But, you know, the more troubling thing for me is, is the three-point disparity. Um, the Celtics shot 39. The Wizards only shot 23 of them. And you and I have, we've, we've bounced around this idea that, there must be a magic number for how many threes you can be uh, – how would we call that? How many threes your opponent can make, how many more threes they can make than you? Like right. What's the magic number? And the the Celtics made nine more threes than the Wizards. I'm going to say that that's above whatever the magic number is. Yeah, no, the, the magic, we did the magic number. I got I to gotta kind of dig it up and remember exactly what it was. But it, was, um, it wasn't that much. It was, well, I mean, you know, four or something. Like I want to say four or five in that area. I, I got to dig up the email I got from Arturo. But it was something like that, which makes sense. It's, it's, it's a 12-point swing there that will overcome any kind of if you turn the ball over too much or you get out-rebounded too much. Those are the, always the big three I'm looking at when we're talking about series and it usually seems to boil down to those things if you're going to get out rebounded and you're going to turn the ball over more then then the, the formula is simply yeah then you all you have to do is make you know five more threes and you can balance that out usually i would think it's a 90 percent success rate on that one but we're going to do a big video on that and do some work up to make sure that that's exactly right but that's what was indicated to me so uh, yeah, it's a it's a real problem. I was kind of surprised though that they the Washington, the Washington Wizards would have that much trouble kind of keeping everybody locked down. I mean, certainly with John Wall out there, that should have been a good recipe for Isaiah Thomas shutting him down. Well, so John Wall he struggles a little bit guarding the pick and roll. Um, Isaiah Thomas does such a great job of coming tight off the screen, and when John Wall is the trailing defender, he tends to go a little bit wide. If you go wide on Isaiah Thomas, he's going to put you in jail. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's going to draw contact and he's going to get those buckets up. Um, he, you know, he only shot seven free throws tonight. But I think that in the series going forward, I expect him to get a few more. I mean, hey, seven, seven's good. Seven's I'm sure a lot. that he'll take yeah. it. 
You know, and when you go through and look at, you know, Isaiah Thomas's field goals, you see that, you know, not all of them are on wall off of switches or he gets screened off. So I'm not going to hang it all on him, but certainly there are moments where he's just not engaged. It's one of those games where, you know, John Wall will do that. He will simply just not quite be involved. And like, you know, Isaiah had one on him in the um, second quarter toward the end where, uh, he just was like looking around, I guess, for a screen. But meanwhile, Thomas just explodes at him, and he's late, and then he pulls up on, on in his face. So, uh, you know, it, it, I, I can't imagine Wall will be that disconnected again. But uh, who knows if it's going to matter at this point? I mean, you know, Isaiah is flying is flying high. Yeah, like, look, man, when he's clicking the way he was in this game, it, it just makes it makes the offense flow so much better for the for the Celtics. For the Bostons, um, the Boston you know, you club. and I have talked about this. Our big, our big concern coming into the playoffs was they relied too much on Isaiah Thomas to create on offense, and um, Al Horford has stepped up quite a bit. He had ten assists tonight, facilitating at the elbows, and and I mean, <laughs> pushing the ball in the break sometimes when he shouldn't, <laughs> and uh, you know, so that that's a huge help. If, if Al Horford can do what he did tonight, which is you know, 21, 10, and 9 rebounds, um, it's going to be a short series and Boston's going to win. I mean, I, I said earlier today, I, I think the Wizards win in six, but, you know, if Markeith Morris is out and if this is the Al Horford we're getting in this series, I just don't see how the Celtics can lose. Um, I, I agree, and it's kind of crazy to say that because we, we've been talking about the Wizards being the team. And, um, you know, I think we also have an idea, a, a sort of a, a matchup between Brad Stevens and um, um, Scotty Brooks. Scott Brooks. Uh, you know, I think that could very well be part of this deal. And now we've been very impressed with Scott Brooks's coaching uh, ability this year. But again, he's still a first year coach with the Wizards. He's still, you know, getting acclimated, but certainly like understanding under the pressure cooker, you know, it's not as easy. Whereas Stevens has been there for so many years now, there's, there's a shorthand probably there and he knows what's going on in, in this, in that setting. So uh, that might be part of it too. And so, you know what, my favorite part of these games when you're watching the Celtics is that like they're down huge to start the game. And they have that shot where they cut to Brad Stevens standing on the sideline, and he doesn't look like he has a care in the world. Like, everything is just like as if he was up 10, 15 points and everything's running smoothly. And that's just like such an you know, important thing as a coach, and I just, that's my favorite part of watching these games. Yeah, you know, and he's got that baby face that just looks like he's for sure using Harry's razors. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you have a face like that and a shave like that, you know, there's probably only one company that could, can give you that, and that would definitely be Harry's. And uh, if you can, you know, you use Harry's, don't you? Absolutely. And it's by far the most smooth, comfortable glide I've ever had in a razor when I'm shaving my dome. Oh, I know. Your dome looks great. It looks much better now since you started using them. And I use them. I love them, too. And I don't even care about shaving. But I got to tell you, when I opened up my uh, trial set uh, and started using it, they have this awesome shaving cream and then uh, post-shaving gel that's really soothing. Um, and so I think you guys out there should try Harry's razors because if you go to harrys.com slash coach Nick, uh, you can get a free trial offer, a free, their, their most popular trial set. 
and it's got you fun. literally have nothing to lose. Right. It is free, and it is a trial set, which will get you hooked for the normal uh, everyday delivery, or sorry, every month delivery of uh, razors or as you see fit. Uh, they're much cheaper than what you buy at a drugstore. And also that whole thing, where you don't have to like get someone to open the the, the uh, case for you because apparently there's a big black market for uh, razor blades, I guess, out there. Um, so you get five German-engineered blades, a lubricating sli- uh, strip, flex hinge. Uh, it's a really good handle, by the way. It's like lightweight but a good grip. So I can't recommend recommend Harry's more than uh, than than me saying go out and get them. Yeah, absolutely. They're the best. Harry's.com slash Coach Nick. Get your trial set for free right now. Head over there and say that we sent you. Um, and there you go. Uh, what else do we have to talk about as far as uh, the Celtics go? I mean, we feel like you feel like they're going to pull us out if they have a good showing tomorrow. Or I think so. I, I think that it's just it's such a tough battle for the Wizards because of how how shallow their bench is, and losing Morris really makes it it makes it even worse. They're probably going to move Ubre into the starting lineup. Yeah, and that's one less guy to come off the bench. I mean, you got to make up for like thirty eight to forty of those. Markeith Morris minutes, and that's just tough to do. He is a load, and they depend on him so much. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think this series could be short if he's out. Yeah, no, it's it's big. It's it's unfortunate uh, that, that we have an injury that's going to affect it. But we'll see. Maybe maybe Oubre goes nuts, and, um, you know, with that shot, it's starting. I don't know. I don't think he started at all this year. Um, and certainly not not regularly, and we'll have to see how that plans out. But that's uh, – we'll, we'll keep our eye on that one. Now, we have to do a little post-mortem. For the next series, because that wasn't so fun for Clippers fans, uh, the way that it all played out. And um, I'll, I'm going to throw my thoughts out there real quick. Uh, let's start out with this. You know, it felt like Doc brought in Paul Pierce. Oh, we're going to do the whole veteran treatment to him where he won't play much at all. We'll save him for the playoffs. But when you saw what he gave them in the playoffs and you realize, like, why were they saving this? This was not anything that he was going to help them with. I don't know if he was actually in the plans for the really? playoffs. I, I think the Blake injury really just, it, it affected again, another team that's very top heavy. They don't have much of a bench. Uh, we know the, the wing depth is well known. You know, they don't have any threes that can do anything. They, and they rely on Blake quite a bit as a secondary playmaker. And without him, they're just not the same team. You know, there are a lot of people that just want Chris Paul to take over the game and, you know, put up 50, and, but that's not his game. You know, he's at his best when he's like 28 and 14. And t- tonight he was not at his best. You know, 13 points on 6 of 19 shooting. And when was the last time Chris Paul missed 13 shots in a game? Yeah. No, he was he was off. You know, he tweaked his foot at some point. I got all these Clipper fans mad at me because when they showed the replay of it, I, I was expecting him to like roll an ankle because he collapsed. And it really wasn't much at all there. Like, he just, you know, kind of rotated his foot after he landed on the ground. There wasn't any weight on it when he did it. So, uh, and he looked fine afterwards. But, you know, I think the real problem ended up being that they just couldn't, you know, they gave up 104 points, which, you know, isn't like a huge amount of points. But they just couldn't stop them at all. Like, it really just, like, they never had any sense of, like, a defensive presence out there. And, you know, that's not saying a lot because, you know, the Jazz are stoppable on offense at times, and they could not do it. Well, they gave up 104 points, and the Jazz only took 13 threes, making yeah. six of them. You know how hard it is to win a game in the NBA taking that 13 threes? It, this is insane. And, you know, you, the defensive effort just didn't seem to be there. You you sent the, the one clip was at the end of the third quarter. Yeah. They had to defend for like six and a half seconds. 
and there's four guys up at the top of the key, and Joe Johnson just dribbles right through the middle of them. And it was just like, okay, all right, so these guys are checked out. I mean, J.J. Redick, one of five. How does J.J. Redick take five shots? Yeah. Oh, well, they were – I mean, I, I, to give them credit, and that, it's also probably worthy of a breakdown sort of maybe – I felt like they were doing a nice job really focusing on him. And by the way, that might end up being like sort of the the solution. Like they know that Chris Paul might not want to completely break everybody down and get a shot off in the beginning. And so they're going to make sure it's not Redick, right? And then after that, right, who else are they going to have? Uh, you know, I would love to see a DeAndre Jordan post up or two, but they, you know, they don't really do that. So it's a really fascinating conundrum when you think about it. Maybe they don't really have you know, a lot of offensive power. Uh, and if you shut down Reddick, right, and don't let him catch it and really be physical, then it's tough because Reddick did not look good, even with the low shots. Well, I think that what, this is very demonstrative of how important Blake Griffin is for this basketball team. I think that, again, his playmaking, his ability to pass from the elbow, and, and just to flat-out score is huge for them. You know, David Locke was on Zach Lowe's podcast the other day, and he brought up an interesting stat. I thought this was great. Now, you know, not to shout out a competitor, but, you know, we're all friends here. Blake Griffin was 11 for 11 in that in the series before he got hurt. 11 for 11 in the first nine seconds of the shot clock. And the Clippers, the goal, their goal was to push the pace in this series because Utah is kind of a slow team. They have trouble scoring. And the Clippers are a pretty good offensive team with Blake Griffin. And so they were doing that and they were finding success. And. Once he goes out, they just didn't have any any solution. They could not come up with an answer to how to get a bucket. Yeah, no, uh, you're, that is true. I I won't. Um, I'm not going to deny because I mean, you know, for whatever faults he might have, he certainly is, at the very least, is better than what else they replaced him with. And Doc sort of had his hands tied. So uh, you're right, but I, there's still no excuse for like they kind of just slept walk through the second half, and they were down by double digits most of the, almost the entire time. Um, and, you know, a lot of the faults that came out, you know, so Jamal Crawford is, is ISOing, and then he was doing a little bit of scoring. Um, but, yeah, again, you know, there, there were some lineups out there where it was like Austin Rivers and um, uh, Jamal Crawford, and uh, I'm trying to remember, like, who else it was, but it was, it was just, um, you know, just nobody could play defense, you know. And then, you know, I, I thought, by the way, I, thought, I almost thought they were going to troll them and start just hacking DeAndre you know, in the fourth quarter to still like, you know, take them completely out of the game. They didn't do that because obviously they want the clock to run, but it crossed my mind. I'm like, you know, might as well to get him out of there so they could score easier, but uh, they didn't need it. And uh, now they lost. So, you know, the other thing that's really interesting now is going into the offseason with the Clippers. I had said, and I think we both probably maybe, well, I don't know if we agreed because there's so much money on the table for Chris Paul, but it felt like if they were going to lose in the first round, he would leave. And yeah. I think the money. I think the money keeps him there. I actually, I, as a matter of fact, I think they keep everybody. I think there's a chance they even keep keep Redick, um, even though he's really he's going to get paid as well. But just because their financial situation wouldn't really allow them to rebuild on the fly, and I don't think Steve Ballmer wants a non-playoff team next year. Remind me, Redick is an unrestricted free agent, right? He is, but and, but they have his bird rights. I, yeah. They, yeah, he's been there long enough. Um, okay, and then what about uh, – is Blake Griffin unrestricted? Blake Griffin is unrestricted, and so is Chris Paul. Okay. So, by the way, which is uh, another one of those things where usually, like, really good GMs don't get stuck with three of their starters all unrestricted the same year. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously the timing of this was was not ideal. And I, uh, and by the way, I'm not even sure there's control. I got to go back and look at like all that stuff. But you know, I feel like that's a thing they look at. But then again, with the contracts now, it almost seems like there's no choice. It's it's either it's a very standard. This is what you're going to get for that level, right. I think. But I'm not positive. I got to look at that. But either way, it's a, a brutal situation because they all could walk. Um, and, you know, the, the reason why I, I'm thinking now that they would walk is certainly, you know, before I before today's game, I felt like, OK, it's the first round. If they lose, he might he might might leave. But they got blown out at home in game seven. I know what Blake isn't there and that's a big deal. But I don't know that, that that's the last thing they have in their minds as they leave Staples is like that. The team kind of quit on them. Um, it was not there was not a lot of smiles, not a lot of, you know, uh, camaraderie in the way out. And now he's got to you know, that's what he's negotiating against. Right. Yeah, it's a team that doesn't appear to really like each other very much or to like to play together very much. And so, you know, there's no joy there when they're on the basketball court. And you and I have talked quite a bit about how important that is uh, for a team. And, I, yeah, I just don't know what they do. I mean, you know, there's speculation Doc may leave to go to, to Orlando to take over the GM job there. You know, who knows what's going to happen? And it's going to be an interesting offseason for them. But – you know, we kind of glossed over the Jazz, but I, I want to point out the Jazz actually, you know, they had a really good game tonight. They did some interesting things with the lineup. They played all four point guards. Uh, Rudy Gobert only played 13 minutes tonight, and I know you just did a fantastic video on Ruby, Rudy Gobert and his defense. Um, but you also did a great video about Chris Paul and John Stockton, which to me was is, is probably your best work, and I want to bring that up. Just because of how many point guards the Utah Jazz actually played tonight. I mean, they, they really did. They played four point guards tonight. Um, I mean, you know, Neto and Mack was a total of five minutes and Exum played eight. But still, that just goes to show they're they're actually putting a premium on ball handling. There were times where Joe Johnson looked like the, the point guard. Oh, yeah. I mean, Joe Johnson tortured the Clippers all series long. And... Like, that's the guy, like, that's the Paul Pierce that they, you know, that I guess they were maybe maybe hoping for. But maybe you're right. Maybe Paul Pierce is going to play it out, just sit on the bench and maybe at the spot minutes they needed him in the playoffs and hope that maybe they would want to run. I, I, I mean, I guess the bottom line is before the season started, I, I guess Paul Pierce must have looked at it and said, oh, they have a shot at winning a title, right? I mean, that, that must have been what he was thinking. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and uh, getting back to the Jazz, yes, and, and also thank you so much for those kind words. Uh, you know, uh, the, doing this Stockton versus CP3 video. Uh, you know, part of it was kind of I just wanted to do like a love letter to Stockton, even though I at the very end you might see who I ended up saying I think is better. But um, at the very least, I felt like there's a lot of young players and young people who don't really know Stockton at all, and it was a chance to go through his game. And I remember, I mean, I watched him play live. I mean, I'll never forget when he came to the stadium this, in, in his rookie year and, like, he got in the game, like, who the hell is this? And he he had that fake spin move where he's going to, like, bring it back out to, like, set up a play and then spin right back and score. He did, like, two times, I think. And it just was like, whoa, who is this guy? So um, it's fascinating. And you know what? Quinn Snyder is a really good coach, really good coach. Like, they run their sets. Uh, he's got a really good, like, you know, control and meter over the, over the team. Um, I, I just walked away really impressed watching him coach and, and, you know, probably not so much with the Clippers. Yeah. You know, he, Quinn Snyder really has a, a pulse on his players and he knows when to ride. I mean, Hayward played 42 minutes tonight, you know, I, I think that that was smart. I think he knew, Hey, we've got to ride Hayward a little bit. You know, he, he had 26 points, let him in scoring. 
Um, Joe Johnson had kind of been the superstar, at least if you if you're on NBA Twitter. Uh, Joe, Joe Johnson's everybody's favorite, but Gordon Hayward is is the guy. If they're gonna if they're gonna beat the Warriors in the next round, they're gonna need Gordon Hayward to actually play like a superstar. Mm-hmm. Now I don't think that you're gonna beat the Warriors, but that's that's the way to do it. You know, is, is to is to go with their best player, who is Gordon Hayward, and, and I think Quinn Snyder did a great job tonight of of you know maximizing what he's got. Right. It's unfortunate for Hayward that they have waves of defenders for him. And the second that, like, Clay Thompson gets tired if he's going to guard him, then they're going to throw Iguodala on him, and then they can throw Livingston on him. I mean, it's like it's going to be a never – he's not going to – it's not going to let up at all for him. And I feel like Joe Johnson's probably the similar kind of thing. I mean, if they try and go small with Joe Johnson at the four, you know, they can throw Draymond on him. And I just don't see Joe Johnson doing that well against him at all, um, can, certainly compared to, like, what the Clippers gave him. So – uh, it's it's a tough it's a tough situation. But that said, in theory, the Jazz should be able to give them some of their own medicine. They should be able to give them some problems on their other end. Um, if Gobert can stay out of foul trouble, which is the big thing, you know, today with him. Uh, and you know, it's weird. The refs sometimes they just, they just come out and decide like we're just going to start blowing that whistle. It's weird the way they ref it sometimes. Well, you know, to, just to talk about the refs a little bit, I, and I understand they do the best that they can, but. The the garbage three point fouls, the three point shooting fouls, like they just have to go, they just have to go. Guys are hunting them mm-hmm. all day now, and it, it's starting to ruin the flow of the game. And I, I think this is something that the competition committee will look at this summer. And the other thing is, like you just said, there the it seems like there are games during the playoffs where from one game to the next, the the whistle is completely changed as far as physicality inside. And I think we need a little we need to kind of homogenize this and, and, and bring it to, you know, a baseline and say, this is how much we're going to let it get a, let, you know, let you get away with. And this is how much we're going to not let you get away with. But it's got to be better than it was today. I mean, Favors and Gobert both fouled out today. Mm-hmm. You know how rare that is? Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, no, it, it was it was troubling. I mean, certainly Jazz Twitter was up in arms all, you know, all game long. Um, you know, some of them are legit, um, and uh, you know, other ones are not. And it's, you know, and there are certain refs that would come out there, and you're already like, "Ugh, we know it's we are in for it." Which is like, which means to me that, that there's no changing those guys. That there's only only not using them as you progress in the playoffs. But meanwhile, you're having these first round series where these guys are getting the shots because there's a lot more games, uh, and I, I don't know what you do. Uh, Ronnie, actually, you know, we did the breakdown on uh, on the James Harden foul that went with James Harden himself doing it. He felt like it's an offensive foul, and you you make a couple of those calls, they're going to stop doing it pretty quick. Well, um, I'm going to disagree, and I know now he he's an expert and he knows better than me. But in my opinion, what happens, you know, if there's like there's hand checking is illegal, and so what he does is the second he feels that hand which is, is a foul, right, according to the rules, that's when he does that hook. And now if he doesn't do that hook, the refs will never call anything. And so basically what you've got to do is you've got to either get rid of the hand check and call or you've got to start calling the hand check. Right. Or, or the defense needs to be more disciplined to not – I mean, some of the ones – it's like hard. You're trying to get around the screen. I get it. But like, you know, the Taj Gibson one we showed, like, I don't know what he was doing. He sticks, he literally stuck his arm out, like inviting him to like hook underneath it. And, and, and there's, there's no doubt it is a foul. Like you have to call it now. So at that point, it's like the only question now is, are you going to make it a rip through foul? 
and just out of bounds no matter what unless they're in the penalty. But by the way, so what? They get in the penalty, then he'll just be doing it anyway and, and right. get the two, two free throws, which is better than none. Um, and so it's like it's, it's a, it is a real problem, and it's frustrating because in part it's like, okay, the rules are, are still a little murky here, so he's taking advantage like every good player would do. Uh, but, yeah, when you start seeing Gordon Hayward do it, and now, like, Chris Paul was trying to do it. Um, Kawhi Leonard did it the other night. Yeah, Kawhi is doing it. Uh, you know, it, it's just really frustrating. By the way, this kind of reminds me, George Hill um, had a couple times down the stretch uh, where he he took Chris Paul and did all the wily veteran stuff. He he put him in jail on one play. Then he, he got him stuck around a screen and pulled up for another J. It was like, you know, George Hill is, I mean, everyone, I know he's, like, underrated as it is, but he's, like, he is that sneaky good player, really. He's a professional point guard. Yes. I mean, he's he's really good. You know, like, we didn't get to see a lot of that in Indiana. He played a lot off ball, you know, and and played a lot of defense. But when George, uh, when Paul George was out that year, we did see flashes of this, the high-usage George Hill. And so, you know, I, I knew that he could do this. I mean, this is a guy who's going to get big money this summer. I mean, he's he's athletic. He can shoot. And he's a good defender. I, I just – I think that – He's been underrated his entire career, and there was like a two-week period this year where where he was maybe overrated. I think now people are, <laughs> people are coming around where they're like, you know, George Hill is a damn good player. You know what? I, I almost didn't want to believe you that when he said he could shoot because I just didn't I couldn't remember. But you know what? He shot forty percent from three, and he took about five a game. That's that's like yeah. that's legit. That's that's a legit good shooter. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, the question is, with the, with the, yeah, the Jazz have a lot of questions, I guess, as well in this offseason too, because they have, you know, they have a lot of interesting pieces and they have to figure out just how far that's going to get them. Um, you know, do we see them have how many games do we see them beating uh, the Warriors? I think the Warriors are going to sweep. Okay, I'll give I think the, game. the Warriors. I think the Warriors are going to sweep. I think I actually I'm starting to feel like the Warriors might sweep all the way to the finals and Uh-oh. through the finals. Full, full, I know. Full. Dude, they just they look so good. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people that accuse you and I of kind of, you know, riding the Warriors broom handles. Yes. That was not the word I was thinking of. But yes, better word. Um, But but the truth is, they're just they're just a really good basketball team. They play really well. They defend like they otherworldly defense, otherworldly offense. It's pretty much unstoppable, and you know they've got Kevin Durant. They can just hand the ball to if things aren't going well, and nobody else, no one else has that. I mean, playoff Javale McGee has probably been the best center in the playoffs, right? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell because I'm trying to think of all him or Gasol. Yeah, Gasol. Gasol had some some moments, but yeah, he's certainly the when he's engaged like that. The way he fits into what they need him to do is more perfect than anybody else. So, yeah. Uh, in fact, you know, JaVale probably deserves a breakdown, wouldn't you say? I think so. I think I think you need to do one. Yeah. You know, I'm looking, you know, I'm hey, I'm open right now. I, have, I don't have anything planned for tomorrow after I've been really grinding. I mean, this this one I did on Stockton and CP3, you know, was a love was a, lo- a labor of love. And it was beautiful. Thank I'm you. not going to lie. The, you, you, and, you know, the, this is going to be me, like, kissing your ass for a minute, but... You did such a great job with the music and the mood, and I loved starting starting with the quotes. Like it was it was great. It was oh, really really great. Thank you. You know it's funny because you know I am an editor by trade. Before I started B Ball Breakdown, I was an editor who did you know I did these kind of things, 
And I've kind of, you know, if you haven't noticed, we've sort of changed the way we're doing our videos in the last like 10 days. And I kind of revamped everything because of YouTube changed everything. And uh, it's really gotten me back to my old tricks where I've had to figure, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. Like I'm actually editing to the beat, you know, which I never yeah. would used to do. And um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm fading up, fading, I'm playing with audio. I mean, it's like a, I'm doing all the tricks I used to do. And you know what? It's worked. I mean, people are, are watching these things a lot more than they were. I think that these last few videos, especially the Stockton and, and Chris Paul one, and for you guys listening, please go watch it. I think this is your best work. I, I really like it's It's so good. Cool. What's the next one I should do then? I mean, people are yelling me that I should have done like Nash um, in there. But then Nash I think, versus okay. Curry? Yeah. Then I was like, okay, let's do Nash and somebody else. So Nash and Curry. Um, yeah, they're both two-time MVPs, and that's there's some interesting stuff there. Uh, that could be fun. Yeah. Um, what about yeah. Kawhi and uh, Kawhi and Kobe? <laughs> Kawhi and Kobe, would that be? That would be. Yeah, it's kind of sacrilegious, wouldn't it be? Kind of. A little bit. I mean, the Kobe you know. fans would would be like, they they think it's like Kobe and uh, you know uh, Smush Parker or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, that's interesting. Well, I'll look at it. We'll have to figure. Maybe I'll do a poll. I well, like yeah, polls. yeah. Do a poll, guys. Hit us on Twitter, and uh, you know, tell us what you want to see. Yeah, I'm yeah. All, I, Hey, listen, I'm always open to that. And uh, and the only thing I didn't mention, by the way, in this thing was you know the whole kind of like complaining of the refs, and you know, I mentioned the meltdown a little bit stuff. I didn't want to get into it too much with Chris Paul, uh, but like that apparently is a big thing when they're talking about like Stockton versus Chris Paul is like the kind of teammate he was. Um, you know, I have a feeling that a lot of Chris Paul teammates will defend him and be like, you know, he's my man and I'll go down with him, whatever. But no, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they will just because, you know, like That's the, the public standing part, but you know, they're both kind of dirty players though. I mean, yeah. Stockton was one of the dirtiest. Yeah, we have Kerr on, on, on record just recently saying how dirty he was. Uh, yeah, that's true, too. I, I, I kind of wanted to keep it positive, but yes, that is a thing. Uh, I mean, dirty, I guess it's dirty. I guess, you know, this little, the little you know, veteran stuff is sort of dirty. I don't think it's trying to hurt anybody, but certainly any kind of advantage he could get. But when you yeah. watch some of that stuff with John Stockton and how good he was at changing pace, you know, it's like he because he was good at changing pace, he basically was as fast as anybody else he was playing against. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, um, another great show, Dave. Yeah, this 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 is so easy. <laughs> right, and we have uh, you know some really great games and a really good second round. So, looking forward to to getting multiple uh, uh, podcasts done with you this week, uh, or at least this one, and then another, at least one more this week. So, we'll see what happens. But uh, I don't know. Thanks for coming on. Get some sleep. Get some rest. Get back in your own bed. That's right. That's the plan. There's no. There's you know. Well, but by the way, every boy who does not travel thinks his mom's soup is the best. That okay? Is so, that is that a saying? I, I suppose it's there? worth yes. I, th- I suppose it's worth traveling now, right? To to, to remind yourself of that. Sure. So, um, yes. You know. Well, the soup in New Orleans is very good. <laughs> I can imagine, and everything else is too. So, anyhow, thanks for coming on the show, and we'll check in with you a little bit later this week. Find us all on Twitter where we'll have another uh, rabid conversation about NBA. And uh, don't forget, sports fans, at Beatball Breakdown. We're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Dave? Yes, I am.